are going to be reading from Psalm 103, so if you want to follow along, you may, Psalm 103. We're going to be focusing particularly on the first five verses, but we will be reading the the entire thing, verses 1 through 22. Hear these words. Psalm 103, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. He will not always keep his he will not nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a child of the field, a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established, He has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the Word of the Lord. Admittedly, if you hang around the rooms long enough, you will quickly find out that I am one whose memory is lacking. I I can remember names. I can remember faces. There's certain fifth grade students that I had as as a teacher that will always, when I see them and they're 35, I'll look at them and go, oh my gracious, John Moore. How could it be you? Actually, he's 32, right? Um, Or if I see another student, it's like, oh, their face is permanently kind of etched into my memory and I will not forget them. Why? It's either because of fond memories or they were that student. 
where they are just eternally etched in, with indelible marker in my memories. But in general, I struggle with remembering. We have apps to help me remember. We have one called AnyList. Laura will say, Paul, could you run to Mario's, Mariano's? Could you run to Jewel? Could you run here? Could you grab this, this, and this? And she'll just rattle off a whole list. And I'll go, is it in the, is it in the app? Oh, I'll put it in. Because she knows that if I go to the store, what's going to happen? Henry, you'll, for, you'll forget. It's just one of those where it's like, I have no idea. I heard it's kind of a Charlie Brown moment with the teacher. It it just kind of leaves my memory. But if we look here at Psalm 103, David is helping us. He's helping people like me remember. If if you look here, you guys see what is he doing? One, One commentator, his name's Roy Clements, he said this. He is cataloging the goodness of God, enumerating His blessings, lest in a moment of depression or backsliding, He should forget the source of His prosperity and take God's grace for granted. David is just, he is listing out all the ways that God has been good to him. And he starts and he finishes with the same phrase. And it's one of those memory things. He is telling him, bless the Lord, O my soul. Remember his kindness. Remember his goodness to you. So I want to address, I want to kind of number out a a couple, three questions I have for us. And it's, it's kind of goes in succession. The first one The first question is this, how should a person praise God? If if you look just at verses 1, 2, and 3, you can see it for yourself. It's elementary. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Another version says, all of my inmost being. How much? All of my inmost being. All of me. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. One of the most common impulses of genuine worship that I have when I am in um, corporate worship is I need to remind myself. Maybe things aren't going well or I'm distracted by some noise or some situations in my life. One of the things in genuine worship I need to constantly be, be doing is saying, Paul, bless the Lord, O my soul. In this moment of your distraction, in your moment where it feels like this is a train wreck, in the moment of of my pain or whatever is going on, I need to remind and say to me, come on, soul. Come on. Where are you? you? Why are you falling asleep before God? Why are you so dull? Why are you so sluggish in this morning? Wake up. Look at what God has done. Look at what He is like. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul, all my inmost being, bless His holy name. We we feel like part of us feels, begins to feel and to respond to the greatness of God's holiness. But part of us, sometimes part of us just doesn't. There's a sliver of us that just doesn't do it. Have to preach to ourselves. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
all that is within me. Not just part of me. All of me. Every fiber of my being is to be blessing God. Oh, for a congregation of people, right? A family of believers who would gather together and say, this morning with every fiber in my being, I am going to be blessing the Lord with my hearing, with my receiving, with my remembering all of His kindness towards me. When we hear of God's grace, but our heart has been hardened by a a critical or kind of a harping spirit, it's hard to hear. Jonathan Edwards believed that there was no true worship that did not touch our affections. Growing up in the Reformed tradition, and now being in the Presbyterian tradition, Affections is a scary word. We think that the truths of the Gospel should only affect our mind. But the truths of the Gospel should affect all of us. Our affections. Because often we we find ourselves strangely unaffected or honoring God just with our lips. But our hearts are far from Him. So the first question is, how should a person with all that you are? And it takes a lot of work, my friends, to do that. It requires us to be thinking and being intent on something Someone who is absolutely beautiful and magnificent and gracious and powerful and kind and loving and merciful. All of my attention should be focused on Him. All of my inmost being should be longing. My affection should be longing to bless His holy name. But why? That's the second question. Why should you praise God? The answer should be obvious because if you read a little bit further, it basically says, because of all of his benefits. David gives this answer, gives this answer in verse 2, and then he, he kind of lists it all out for us in verses 3 through 5, right? The first thing that he, he lists out is this the forgiveness of sins. And this is what he, I, I am so glad by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that David start off, started off here. He could have said, man, God, thank you. I want to bless you for my kingship. I want to thank you for my safety and my security in this kingdom. But the first thing that he lists out is the forgiveness of his sins. For this is the greatest of all the gifts, my friends. This is the greatest of all the gifts that we could ever receive from God. And if God just gave us this, that is enough. It is true that we need to remember and thank Him for our homes, for our jobs, for our nation, for our wealth, for our material blessings, for our spouses, our children, our parents, and all those kind of things. Absolutely. But where would we be if we were to acquire all of these things and ultimately lose our soul? 
The forgiveness of our sins is the greatest benefit that any of us could ever receive from God. And we can receive it only because God gave His Son over to death on the cross to procure, to give to us life. So some of the statements that occur in this first part of the psalm occur later on in the psalm as well. He he says that He, in verse 3, that He forgives all. All your iniquity. This has to do with the number of sins that are forgiven. If you think that you're doing pretty good with the number of sins, just ask the person next to you, hey, could you make me a a short list? And they're going, how short do you want it? And God's going, I've I've got quite a list. I know your your thoughts. I, I know all your deeds. I know the things that you did and you did not even realize that you did. But in verse 12, he he has this way of kind of broadening out the scope of how great this forgiveness of sin is. It is as far as the east is from the west. So far has He done what He has removed our transgressions from us. And since east and west are, are directions and not points on the compass that are, is, there is an infinite, infinite, immeasurable distance between them. They're opposite directions. And this is maybe what David is thinking about. Or maybe that the psalmist is trying to point out, listen, however many miles you think lie between east and west, you cannot look both ways at the same time. You're either looking one direction or the other. You have to turn your back on one in order to look in the direction of the other. So when God forgives us, He puts our, he puts our sin and us on different horizons. That's what God does. When He saves us and forgives us, He says, Paul Vroom, I'm putting you over here in the West. Your sins, Paul Vroom, I am putting in the East. And so when He looks at our sin, He is no longer looking at us. And when He is looking at us, He is no longer looking at our sins. In Paul's vocabulary, he would say, he has justified us. So that's the first aspect. Why should we? Because of the forgiveness of sins. But here's the second one. The second thing the writer David is thankful for is for healing. And he is talking about healing all of your diseases. And remember that any healing, my friends, any healing in this life is limited and temporary. Our ultimate healing comes when we are raised immortal and incorruptible. That is the ultimate healing that we are going to see. But what is David talking about here? He is saying, If you are sick and you are now healthy, give thanks to the Lord. If your cancer is in remission, give thanks to the Lord. If you are in a a rough car accident, 
but somehow survived? Give thanks to the Lord. If you are struggling with depression, but you are having a moment of light and clarity, give thanks to the Lord. Between now and that ultimate resurrection, we are called to give thanks to the Lord for every bit of healing that we have. Often, I give thanks to Sudafed and aspirin. Right? Don't you? Thank God for this. But really, it's this that you're thankful for. It might just slip off your tongue tongue and say, oh, thank God for... But if you take aspirin and now the headache is gone, that, my friends, is from the Lord. Good medicine and good prayer do go together. People say, have asked me, Paul, do you believe in divine healing? I said, that's the only kind of healing that there really is. It just comes in many different varieties. So what does this sentence mean? Some suggest that David is speaking about a spiritual illness such as the burdens of sin, and I, I, I could see that, and I think that might be a possibility. But what I think he is speaking of is actual diseases and sickness. And, and he is saying that when we are healed, as we often are, it is ultimately God who has done it. He is the healer of the body as well as the healer of our soul. Therefore, such health as we have been given is a sure gift from God. God should be praised for that. My friends, are are you making a list right now? Are, Are you making a list of how God should be blessed? All my inmost being blessed. His holy name. Here's the third one. It's redemption from the pit. Verse 4. When David says that God redeems our life from the pit, he is saying that God brings us back from the very brink of death. The pit is Sheol, where the dead go when they die. As far as he he is concerned, he does not mean God has rescued him from that actual place by taking him to heaven because David is not in heaven yet at the writing of Psalm 103. He means that God has redeemed him from sparing his life, death. Presumably, maybe logically, from the healing of his diseases. Fourth thing. You see this this satisfaction with what is good. It's not a matter of a mere rescue that God does either. As if our lives are spared, but so far as anything else is concerned, our lives are absolutely miserable. No, God is, God is kind to us. He is gracious to us. Not only in the saving of our soul, in the healing of our bodies, No, God satisfies us with good things. Your your mind should be racing right now going, oh, I can give a list of all the good 
things that He has given us. He satisfies with good things so that your youth will be like the eagles. And how does an eagle fly? It soars. It's magnificent. It is beautiful. And hasn't that really been, or shouldn't that be your experience with God? Can't you praise God for the abundance of good things that He has graciously brought into your life? Man, I, I, could, t- I could just make a list right now of the things that are good for my tongue. The things that I enjoy eating and drinking. Tomorrow, tomorrow is just a foretaste. I think there's better holidays when it comes to food quality, but you know we're not going to argue about that here, are we? But, but it's a, a taste of things to come. Some of you are anticipating the taste of broccoli rice casserole. Some of you cannot wait for the taste. I know, I'm... uh, Some of you scalped potatoes or maybe this kind of mashed potato or dry, nasty turkey. But you're, you're, you're longing for those good things. And God, and you just love them and you look at it as a gift from God. And part of it is anchored in your memories from childhood of, oh, I remember when my mom made this. It tastes terrible now, but I love my mom. Right? Food has a way. God has given us that gift of memory and it just brings us back to those childhood places of recalling His blessing. And the call is true again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So here's my last question. Is there any real praise in your heart to God. And this really is a question for for those of us who are Christians. How are you doing with blessing the Lord and remembering all of His benefits? This Roy Clements asked this question quite, quite well. And he Did I put it in there for you, Brent? Yeah, okay. We need to ask ourselves whether or not there is any real praise in our hearts. That feels kind of squishy, right? We need to ask if there's really any praise in our heart. It is so easy to come to church out of habit. But it is, so e- it is so easy to repeat, Amen! Actually, I'm looking more forward to those kind of responses. It's so easy to repeat, Amen, without ever really speaking to God. It is so easy to hear sermons without ever really listening to God. Spiritual lukewarmness is a common disease in a land like ours where being a Christian is respectable. And then he goes on to say this. If that is our condition, then we, like David, need to talk to ourselves. We need to stir our hearts up more to a more appropriate emotional response to the truth about the God that we know. 
And then he says this. If you find your heart cold, then do what David did and count your blessings. My friends, the most important thing that you could walk away from this brief sermonette is that you become more aware of the blessings that you have in Christ Jesus. And then, not just recount, but begin to praise God for those gifts that He has given to you. So here's my challenge. I I gave you four quick things, and you do not have to stay within those parameters of the forgiveness of sin, the healing that you have received, redemption from the pit, satisfaction of, of good things. Maybe God has been convicting you or reminding you of His good gifts. And so I want to make it a practice right now that somewhere in your retelling, you can use the phrase, I want to bless the Lord for. I want to thank God for. Don't just tell me a story about your great nanny who made this or did that. I want to hear of your gratefulness to God because ultimately He is the one who has blessed you with those things. So my friends, let's bless the Lord together.